Welcome back to the Road to Permanency podcast. I'm your host, Gracie, alongside my amazing host, Rochelle. Hello. <laughs> and today's podcast will be season two, episode eight, discussing a very fun and interesting topic on gender diversity and sexual fluidity. Um, For those that don't know about me personally, I identify as bisexual or a bicon, and I will turn it over to my host, Rochelle. Hi, yes, I recently felt comfortable identifying as two-spirit bisexual as well, so I'm really looking forward to hearing what you do have to say today. That is awesome. I just want to congratulate you on your coming out journey, and also let the podcast know that we now have two bicons in the room with amazing eyebrows. Hey, hey. And, and yeah, I'm really excited for today because we will be discussing all the unique challenges that come with being a youth in care and then also being part of the LGBTQ2S plus community. And we will also be discussing various terms of non-binary and what that means and how to find and also two-spirited and how to find kind of your sense of belonging in the community as a youth in care and then also in the LGBTQ2S plus community and kind of how to find that middle ground. And today I will be joined by an amazing guest, Jose. Um, And without further ado, I'll get into that interview. Awesome. So let's just get right into our conversation today. Um, today we will be talking about gender diversity and sexual fluidity and what that means as a youth in care. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Jose. Do you want to tell us a little about a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Jose. Um, I'm a 21-year-old university student, and I'm a former uh, Crown Ward, current CCSY. Uh, I've been asked to be here, and I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Uh, what university do you attend? U Ottawa. I'm in the Ooh. linguistics and psychology program. That's awesome. U Ottawa twins. Um, so today, me and Jose are going to be talking about some issues that affect youth and care, and especially issues that are revolved around the LGBTQ2S plus community. Um, Jose, do you want to tell us how you identify and what your pronouns are? Yes, absolutely. Well, we can start off by saying that I go by any pronouns. She, he, they, any under the sun, I am perfectly happy with. Um, I identify as non-binary, which is a bit of an umbrella term, but what it means essentially for me is that I don't necessarily prescribe to any one identity. Um, I like dressing and feeling more masculine some days, more feminine others, more neutral overall, but my identity itself doesn't necessarily change, so I'm not necessarily gender fluid. I just am. Um, On the other hand, I also identify uh, as a fun bit uh, demi-pan, I would call it. So it's demisexual and pansexual, being that gender doesn't come to mind for me when I look at a partner, but what does is uh, an emotional bond first. I need an emotional bond before I can start feeling that attraction to anyone. Um, So that's how I would say it is. Awesome. Thank you, Jose. I really appreciate you educating us on that and letting us get to know a little bit more about you. Um, Just for 
those in the audience who don't know about me, um, my pronouns are she, her, and I do identify as bi slash pansexual. So I do, for my own personal definition of bisexual, like I do believe that it coincides with pansexual, but I do like to throw pansexual in there just because there is a lot of kind of, I feel like a past uh, dialect of transphobic comments that are associated with bisexuality, which I don't like to exclude any gender when it comes to my sexuality. So I like to include pansexual in there as well. Um, yeah. So today we are going to be kind of starting with why it's important to me and Jose to kind of speak out about these issues and speak out in our community. Well, I guess to start off with, if I may, uh, for me, well, yeah. I, I entered into foster care at a fairly young age, had been hopping around uh, my family for a while before I eventually became a Crown Ward uh, at about 12 years old. Um, and since then have been pretty strongly associated with CAS. Thankfully, I have had quite a strong support system uh, personally throughout my time. And any th time things have gone wrong, uh, my word has been taken quite uh, strongly. Uh, it's been trusted and I've been listened to. Uh, for me, having grown up in foster care, uh, I find it is quite important to learn to advocate for yourself, particularly because, especially when you're young, uh, when these habits kind of form, we tend to lean on the adults around us, and the adults are quite happy, if, if I may, to make those decisions for us. So we don't tend to be uh, advised or encouraged to learn, to advocate for ourselves, um, and as adults, regular adults, as foster kids, um, it is important, it is critical to learn that no matter what your history is, uh, and it can make a, a world of difference in how your life goes and the amount of say you have in the direction that you take. No, for sure, and like, I do feel like we're always kind of taught, when, especially when we're younger, we're taught to kind of like dim our own voice and just let, because others are just always you know, whether it be social workers, foster parents, whoever in the system is kind of making the decisions for us and dictating our own kind of path and our own identity. So it's like when you finally come to terms with your own, I do think it's so important to speak out and spread awareness. For youth who may not be ready to talk about it yet, for youth who are still struggling, like this covers basically every issue in the system. And that's why I think this advocacy platform on this podcast is so important that we raise our voices. Like, to any listeners like whatever we may talk about may have an impact on them and just knowing that it could have a positive kind of change in whatever they're going through is is honestly a big deal and it resonates with me a lot mm -hmm. that's the thing I've become especially lucky in the past I'd say year or so I've gotten a lot of opportunities uh to like this one to be able to speak up and share my voice and share my opinion and I like the fact that I get to do this and I actually am very hopeful that my word can make a notable impact, though even the smallest impact can make a world of difference for even one person. Um, I've, people have started reaching out to me to, to you know, uh, share what I have to say and I want to kind of be 
that person who encourages others through example uh, to, to learn to speak up for themselves because it can be quite scary. Um, especially even I have a, a, a long running case of social anxiety, but if you kind of push yourself a little bit, not too far, don't do anything to, to harm yourself at all. But uh, if, if you can learn to kind of speak up for yourself and if you can find those people who will support you, who will encourage you, who will even reach out for you to just give that extra helping hand, I think that's uh, kind of the end goal. And I'd like to be able to see that for every youth if possible to kind of have yeah. a chance I feel like to speak up because everyone does deserve to be heard of course and not everyone kind of has those tools to be able to speak up and advocate for themselves so just being able to learn from from us and our experience I think will make a a huge impact on them. Um, also, Jose, what I wanted to kind of lead the discussion towards today was, I was wondering if you were comfortable, you know, I as a youth in care, kind of discussing maybe what you're coming to terms with, not only your gender identity, but also your sexual identity was for you as a youth in care, how you came to terms with that, how you were able to educate yourself on stuff like that. Because I do feel like as a youth in care, like we do kind of have a lack of resources to kind of have that knowledge on everything in the community and also you know uh how did you come to maybe a coming out sort of journey when you know we don't exactly have um a family or something to come out to so it may not look like the most traditional way it might just be for yourself and on your own terms oh certainly i would absolutely love to share my my journey uh began probably i would say around high school grade nine i did identify as straight and back then i certainly was though it didn't last too too much longer um <laughs> after that i think i had entered grade 10 and at this point i had kind of fallen into a wonderful friend group that that i had already been comfortable enough to admit that i had grown up in foster care and they had fully supported me and which i appreciated because this was still at a time where i was afraid to even share that I had grown up in foster care. Um, even these mm -hmm. days, I am still a little hesitant, though I at least try to uh, to not fall into that role because I do fit an image of, uh, I would say, quite normalcy. So people don't tend to pin me for it. Mind you, I think most mm -hmm. people don't tend to pin me for being LGBT either, except for my friends back then. But my, my friends, uh, they had also been, uh, I would say, a, quite a diverse group uh, that had just kind of fallen together. And these people were definitely the main reason why I became so comfortable with who I was so soon. Uh, because it didn't take me longer than a year to kind of accept that I definitely wasn't straight anymore and that there might be something going on with my gender identity. Um, though at that point I still wasn't uh, non-binary, I was more just in a questioning stage. And my friends helped ease me through that even though they themselves were also kind of going through that questioning period. Um, I would say 
Out of absolutely everyone, they were definitely the most accepting and understanding. And I would say, what I would advise is always find yourself a group of people because unfortunately we can't always pick who is in our lives. I wasn't able to come out to anyone in my family for several years, but at least I could be fully honest and happy with who I was around my friends. So if we can find friends who can support us, that can just, it, it changes the world for you. Um, it makes it just a little, ha a little happier, a little easier. And definitely throughout high school, it got a little more confusing for me. Because originally I just identified as bisexual, but eventually I came to realize, oh, I, I really am not picky, like, I'm not picky even the slightest bit, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with having any gender preferences, absolutely nothing wrong. But uh, for me, I didn't really clue in for a while, especially because back then, and even still now, there is a lot of like bi erasure, pan erasure people tend to tell us, oh, you're just, you're being greedy, you need to pick a side, this, that, the other thing. You yeah. still hear it to this day. Um, but the thing is, you don't have to. Your sexuality is whatever it is going to be, and there's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to pick sides, you don't have to settle down, you don't have to even uh, come to terms with not necessarily having a sexuality. If you are asexual, that's okay. There's nothing wrong. Um, and you need to somehow find yourself some friends who will support you. I am fully out with my family now, though even that wasn't exactly the most comfortable road to walk. My mother is fully accepting of me um, and she does her absolute best to support me and for that I am forever thankful. My father doesn't quite understand, but he's got the spirit. Uh, <laughs> He, he's definitely old-fashioned in mind. He doesn't get these things much as you try to explain them, but he doesn't go out of his way to do any harm either. He, he tries to avoid harm. Um, and mm -hmm. for that, I am also thankful. And I will continue to try to educate him, though that is not my job. It, it isn't our it, it job isn't. to... Um, yeah, it isn't our job to educate other people. That's up to them. Um, so that, I guess, is actually another piece of advice I'd like to impose. Especially Don't... when you're, like, the specific group being harmed by something. Like, this just applies to pretty much every systemic and issue that involves in our society. That, like, literally, it is never the job of someone who is kind of being affected by the issue to educate you. It is your job to educate them, and it's a privilege to have someone from a different community in your life. And if you want them in your life, it's your job to educate yourself. If they want Period. to learn, they will find a way to learn. We thankfully have mm -hmm. Google and all these different things. <laughs> Though I will always encourage questions to, uh, that people ask to me. I am a pretty open book. As long as people aren't yeah. coming with a negative energy trying to insult me, um, I am happy to answer any question, but no one has to do that. Uh, you have a life to yeah. live, so you should be free to live it. Simple as that. Yeah, and, and, and live it for yourself especially. We, I can't amplify that enough, but I just want to touch back on 
just so many great points that you were able to make in that and just basically starting back from when you were talking about being straight I mean I always say being straight was the phase because a lot of people like to say oh being gay it's just your phase but no it was really just being straight and I I also do really like the fact that you talked touched on bi and panerasia because it is such a um, an ongoing issue in the LGBTQ2S plus community and it's a lot of it's been something to kind of erase that identity from the community and say like oh if you're in this type of presenting relationship then you're only that but no your sexuality can be fluid and it can be a scale and it can be whatever it means to you and it's never anyone's job to dictate if your sexuality is too much, if your sexuality is too little, if you haven't figured it out yet, if you don't have any sexuality, if you're asexual or whatever you are, it's never anyone's job to dictate that to you. That's your journey and that's your outcome. And also on regards to the topic of coming out, you know, it definitely is more of a kind of westernized idea. And I do want to like let every all our listeners know that like you don't ever have to come out and there's never a time where it's too late to come to terms with your own identity, but you don't ever have to come out and be vocal to everyone if you're not safe or if you're not comfortable. But as long as you're still valid, you know, without coming out, you're still valid in your own identity and whatever you believe is true. I absolutely love that point. One of the things that my friends and actually several people on the internet too have uh, brought to my attention is that you don't owe anyone to come out. You do not mm -hmm. ever have to tell anyone. You simply are what you are. If a straight person doesn't have yeah. to announce their sexuality to come out as straight, then you don't have to come out as gay either. Because they are what they are, and you are what you are. and you don't no one has to be in your business that is a very very private business if you it doesn't matter if you feel no need no desire to come out that's all right if you feel as though it would help your life to come out that you are safe to come out and you want uh like that to be a bonding experience with someone in your life absolutely i I used it as a bonding experience with my mom to open up more conversations to kind of show her who I had become, uh, but I didn't have to come out to her, ever. No. And you would still be valid, you know? So I definitely think it's important that we talk about that. Um, just going back to the whole journey on coming out and journey on accepting and loving yourself, I'll kind of start on mine. and. Um, I'll just go back to my own personal story. So for me personally, I feel like I've always kind of known that I was attracted to definitely more than one gender. I feel like even when I was younger, I was very, very closeted because um, the household I grew up in was very religious. And so, but re religion was not used in like a kind of peaceful way. It was more used in a way to just pursue a homophobic narrative and just to kind of continue to push like a heteronormative expectations onto me. Um, so I feel like I was very, yeah, exactly. And I, it was very toxic and I feel like I was very closeted about everything kind of growing up, but I always knew I had like little crushes on girls and stuff. 
and even in high school I definitely experimented but I was I would always just kind of blame it on like that one encounter oh you were drunk or oh like that was a sleepover type of experience but I definitely feel like within even the internet and also I really like that you mentioned friends like within these years of coming to Ottawa um I have found like a friend group that is like my family and even like just all the people that are around in my life just realizing that like I have that kind of source of permanency around me allowed me to kind of accept and love myself for who I am and my own sexual identity so like it allowed me and like I definitely I feel like within these past two years have been like telling a few people that hey I am bisexual hey I am pansexual but I think when I first announced it out loud to a wide group of people (laughs) I literally just posted like bisexual queen on Facebook and was like here have at it you know (laughs) with like rainbows and this is like recently um but yeah I, I feel like you know coming out is your own journey and you don't ever have to do it but it was something that I did want to do and I did want to I did want to do for me I mean I didn't have that kind of family setting of anyone to come out to so I feel like I I kind of am at a privilege and at a loss in this in the same context because at a privilege in the sense like I don't have to have that fear I guess of like of my uh, family like kind of not accepting me because they really don't accept me (laughs) So, like, I don't really talk to them anyways, <laughs> but, yeah, and then at a loss, because I don't really have them to come out to, but I, the first person I ever came out to was, like, my best friend, Alanda, and, like, she was so accepting, and seeing that was really just what got me to where I am now, and now, like, I have a totally diverse, and everyone in my friends group is pretty much part of the LGBTQ2S plus community, I mean, and I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I just feel like I'm so happy to be talking about this because I do feel like coming to terms with your own sexual and gender identity can really help like mitigate all that confusion and like self-hatred and denial, internalized homophobia. Once you kind of start to work on that, it definitely helps permanency feel like a more tangible thing in your life. It helped me feel like, okay, if I can accept and love myself, then why can't, why wouldn't others want to do the same? If I'm putting this energy into myself, then why wouldn't others want to do the same with me? And that helps me realize, okay, I have such a great loving community around me. And now I can love myself. And now I have the power to, you know, keep being resilient, keep moving forward and eventually kind of feel grounded and safe in my own life. Because I'm so secure in my gender and sexual identity that I feel like it's possible for me to be safe and secure in my own life. That's absolutely beautiful. And that's the thing. Uh all these journeys they're so well they're diverse they're all different kinds of people going through all different kinds of things even as it relates to foster kids um like no two stories are going to be the same and we all do have different type of support networks like my first foster mom i never came out to her because quite frankly she was also a pretty hardcore religious type and definitely used it to spread a little bit of homophobia she was quite uh, fond of the phrase isn't everyone a little bit gay no not everyone is <laughs> that's not how it works but that's so annoying mm-hmm, i don't like to hear that if you're straight you are valid too if you're asexual, you're valid. Yeah. If you're a lesbian, if you're pansexual, demisexual, like you can be 
any range of sexuality under the sun, you are valid. Um, but she was, you know, fond of trying to invalidate that and take that away from some people, which I thought was a little strange for a woman who also claimed to be straight, but, well, I suppose to each their own. Um, but... Exactly. Hats on mm -hmm. to you. But to, I suppose, as far as it goes, um, we thankfully at least have some measure of control over who we can kind of surround ourselves with in life. It can be very difficult and sometimes we can't take someone out of our life for a while. I wasn't able to remove my father, who back in the day definitely was homophobic, um, from my life. Eventually I got an opening and I was able to remove him and eventually he did learn and I was able to and happy to welcome him back into my life, but I didn't have to. He pushed a lot of boundaries, he broke a lot of rules, he decided that he originally didn't care about who I was. I didn't have to ever welcome him back into my life, even if, you know, he did change for the better. But I am happy to have him back into my life, on my terms. Um, and even now, I have the control there, thankfully, um, and I will use that control. I will make sure that he knows, no, there's not going to be any comments about this or that or the other thing. Absolutely not. I will remove him from my life again if I have to. Um, thankfully, he's not gone and done any of that stuff. Um, and thankfully, I have other family members helping to keep him in line. But that's the thing. Um, even when it comes to friends and the likes and teachers and mentors, and family, you don't have to keep someone in your life as long as you're safe. Um, if you don't yeah. want to, you don't owe them anything. You don't owe them your life. I think that's important. And like, we do have to kind of protect our peace and our own energy. And I think you really do have to, it sounds like what you're doing, Jose, with your dad is setting healthy boundaries. And I think that's really important, especially in this community. You know, like, I know there are certain situations where maybe you can't fully get rid of someone from your life, but maybe just establishing a healthy relationship dynamic that works for you and that could be on your terms might be better, a way to kind of get around it if you can't fully get someone out of your life who is kind of pushing some harmful stereotypes or harmful stigmas around your own identity, which can honestly hurt the most. Um, Jose, do you kind of, you kind of talked a little bit about, like, growing up in, like, a foster home where, like, religion was weaponized as well, so, like, I was just curious, um, how have you worked through kind of, like, that journey of internalized homophobia and, like, kind of trying to fight against that? I suppose, well, my religious journey definitely did begin extremely young. I was born and raised in a family that was pretty strongly Roman Catholic, though I am very fortunate that even though the church that I went to was very uh, to the Bible, if you will, um, they never, at least as far as I remember, made any comments about the LGBT community, which is a bit strange for the small town that I grew up in, but it, I guess in my family, it was more of a hush-hush type of topic. You don't really, even to this day, you don't really talk about it. I'm the one in my family that talks about it, though I do refuse to let the topic die. They don't get to live in blissful ignorance because it makes them more comfortable. 
that's not how the world works. Yeah. yeah. Um, but exactly. Mm -hmm. But with my first foster home, though she wasn't Roman Catholic, I can't remember what denomination she was. It was the type of thing where I had to, for family bonding time, quote unquote, go to church with them, even though I was definitely not religious at this point. At this point, I'd become agnostic. I started to doubt God I start because, well, of course, I grew up in foster care. I'd seen a lot of things, and um, I couldn't personally uh, justify what I had seen with what I had believed in. So I had become agnostic, and at that point, I was also starting to question my gender. The two weren't actually correlated. Um, because I even then didn't really care what the, the church thought of me. <laughs> Thank goodness. But um, yeah. it, this church definitely had a few comments about the LGBT community and I wasn't comfortable going there. And at some point I finally got an opening to leave this foster home. It wasn't easy at all. It was actually a, quite a harrowing experience trying to leave that foster home. Uh, but I managed to do it, and though I moved to a new foster home that was still religious, they never forced it on me. If I wanted it to go to church, I could. But there was absolutely no pressure to do so. Uh, they left for church on Sundays, and if you didn't want to join, that's okay. You got a little bit of alone time at home. And that was perfectly okay. Um, and I definitely think that helped me a lot because there wasn't an agenda being pushed on me that I couldn't reconcile with who I was. Um, around this time I also started to form a bit more, a little bit more confidence in who I was as a person. I'd actually figured out my sexuality, at least mostly. Um, it was still fairly fluid at this point, but I, I had at least mostly pinned it down and I'd started to really question my gender at this point. So being away from that environment uh, gave me a bit of a, a chance to sit and think and kind of decide on who I was outside of other people's opinions. Um, these days I actually do identify as pagan, um, though I had been an atheist for a little while. Um, and I find, um, though this is certainly not the path for everyone, um, just like sexualities, all kinds of religious beliefs are going to be different and there's not necessarily a right or wrong one. Um, it just, it is who you are and as long as you're not harming other people, there is absolutely nothing wrong with your beliefs. But for me, becoming yeah. pagan was absolutely empowering um, in mm -hmm. learning to kind of accept who I was because it was finally me putting myself first um, and religion second in my life. I wasn't being controlled by what other people on top of me who had more authority than me were thinking. Um, it wasn't about what they thought was best for me anymore. Now it was who I think I should become, who I want to become, what I think is a good person. And I don't have um, other people deciding that for me. And I think that also made a world of difference because now I don't have to even answer to myself. If I don't have answers, that's okay. I don't have to decide that I am absolutely this gender or that gender or attracted to these types of people. I am thankfully quite comfortable with myself that if I wasn't certain what my sexuality was one day, that's okay.
Eventually I'll figure it out, or if I don't, oh well. That's okay too. I love that, and that's really powerful that you were able to kind of come to terms with both just being comfortable in your own skin and comfortable enough to love yourself that you could kind of find what religion kind of suits who you are as a person and also kind of find your own sexuality and gender identity that kind of is like an umbrella and kind of encompasses just who you are and allows you to kind of go through your phases and go through your movements of life. I love that. I'm really happy for you. It's been, I'd say it's been definitely uh, very, very helpful though even just taking a bit of a break from religion back in the day, that in itself I think was nice, just stepping away and just mm -hmm. seeing how I operate outside of that. So even if I did go back to being Catholic, at least I would have had a time to think, is this for me? Yes? Okay, yeah. let's go all in. That kind of thing. I think people should take a time to self-reflect about who they are, who they're becoming, who they want to become. Um, does it line up with how they feel they are inside? Um, it, it never hurts to kind of take a moment to think for yourself and just see if things are still how they used to be inside instead of ignoring. Yeah, yeah and that's so vital. Like, I really find that this pandemic provided a lot of space for self-reflection and, and just thinking, you know, and I really think that there's just a power to having that solitude to be able to reflect on kind of everything, especially as youth and care, like we've definitely been through a lot, we've definitely survived a lot, and it's so easy to just be like, oh, well, that happened, but like, it's another thing to kind of acknowledge all the pain and trauma you went through, and then also acknowledge your successes, and then even on top of that, now coming to terms with your gender identity and your sexual identity, and then on top of that, okay, if I do want to kind of pursue a religion, what does that look like for me in my space and for me existing as a queer person? What do, how does religion fit into my life in a non-problematic way? And I do think because a lot of people in the past have kind of used it as um, a way to weaponize and harm other people rather than the peaceful intention of what religion really is and rather than separate that from harmful narratives I think it can be sometimes hard for people to come to terms with like religion on top of that but I do think there is a great empowerment and great comfort people can receive from like being religious and I think it can also help with your permanency journey so I really think that it is important to talk about that and talk about how taking time to take care of your needs and yourself and honestly what anyone else thinks of you really just does not matter. Like, it really just matters what you think and what's right for you. And maybe not everyone will practice a religion the same way as you. But if you're willing to take the religion in a peaceful way and you feel like it suits your identity, then that's how you should take it and that's how you should practice it. And I'm all for that. Um, I think it's just really important. Say, going off of talking about the pandemic and... I'm sure, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I, I certainly know I can and hopefully, and I know a lot of, not hopefully, I sadly, I know a lot of others will relate to this. It's just like 
I feel like the pandemic, because there was a lot of time to think, it also gave me a lot of time to overthink in the sense where I feel like I had to confront a lot of my mental health issues, a lot of, you know, kind of repressed traumas, a lot of PTSD flashbacks. And I just feel like even with my own identity, I feel like I had to confront a lot of mental health uh, areas and kind of accept and love myself for that um, during this pandemic. So how do you kind of, how did you kind of um, cope and survive through this pandemic in regards to mental health? And did you face any mental health issues in regards to your own identity? I guess, well, I guess to begin there, I've kind of always been uh, notorious for being an overthinker. I am quite anxious. (laughs) I always must think ahead. It must, must, must. I need to analyze absolutely everything. And that's definitely brought me a lot of stress during this pandemic, Um, especially having been one of the youths who didn't necessarily have a lot of control uh, when I was young in foster care. Uh, It was decisions being made for me, sometimes even without my knowledge. So becoming an adult, thankfully, I have some incredible, incredible social workers who would go to the moon and back for me in a heartbeat if I asked of them. Um, And they've been incredibly helpful here and just generally helping me find resources uh, like therapy and all that uh, to go to to help me kind of keep stable, especially because I don't necessarily have a lot of friends in Ottawa. I have plenty of friends, but they're kind of spread all over the place except where I am, (laughs) which has been kind of an extra bit of um, stress there. But in the end for me, uh, while the pandemic has been insanely difficult and it's been a struggle and it's just been even painful to watch what other people are going through. Um, I find it's definitely, I haven't grown nearly as fast in the past as I have since this pandemic started. I find I've received a lot of personal growth, especially because as you've mentioned a number of times, uh, there's been a lot of time to think and kind of reflect and because well, it's not really been something that you can avoid. It's not something these days that you can hide with a hobby or two or three and work and school on top of that. You can't just tamp it down. You have to start thinking about these things. And for me, it led me to finally being able to, for example, get my social work files um, since I entered foster care. And even that has been a journey of its own. I've been trying to get them passively for about four years now, but I finally uh, pushed down hard and got them. And that has also kind of helped me figure out who I am and why I am who I am. And it was something I would say massively game-changing for me. Um, I've come to realize things like, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks that I have ADHD. Everyone thought that I had ADHD. I just wasn't able to, when I was young, for whatever reason, have access to getting a diagnosis. So now I can go do that because I've had the time to kind of go and chase after my files and think about these things and reflect. And so 
but that's just kind of one example even then like my friends have gone through quite a number of things and i've had to learn um as a result how to help them better because i want to help them um never never damage your mental health for the sake of another person if you can help it there's counseling there's therapy there are options uh but for me for my friends i i quite adore being able to help them and uh, even that kind of helped me figure out who I was uh, because there was certainly a lot of helping to be done emotionally and I've kind of figured out for myself that I am by nature a helping person. I, I like being that little bit of clarity in a person's life. I like uh, being able to kind of show them a different example, a different way of thinking, uh, of looking at themselves. and. I've kind of grown there too and I've had to learn how to kind of do that better and also when to step back for my mental health because my family even is going through some hard things right now and I want nothing more than to be able to help them through that than to see them through it as easily as they can but you know sometimes you're gonna get depressed sometimes you're gonna get anxious and if you continue to help in that moment you're gonna do some irreversible damage so you need to kind of learn your limits when you need to step back and that it won't be the end of the world if you have to that there are other people who can step up to help to take your place that you don't have to um, burn yourself out for another person yeah and i think that is a message that holds true in whatever context and i really am just so proud of you and all the self-work that you have done to like get to this place. It's really empowering and inspiring and just to hear your insight and wisdom and your own experience and coming to terms with, okay, so like, I think I have ADHD, let me go. And you know, you were proactive and even though it, it's not a the best experience and the best way to kind of wait four years for a file. I mean, we've definitely all been through stuff like that. Um, yeah it's not the vibe um but it's definitely just amazing that you're able to kind of stay determined and get the help you need and continue and look that's just showing how powerful self-advocacy really is and that's why I feel like we're kind of just fighting for advocating for yourself and who you are and that's really what identity gender and sexual identity really is all about is just kind of loving yourself for who you are and then not being afraid to kind of ask for help, ask for your needs and be who you are authentically. And I really just think that's so powerful in itself. And uh, going back to kind of what you mentioned um, at the beginning of when you uh, started were you, Kathy, were you saying one second of me, everyone? Going back to what you said at the beginning of when you started talking, um, just kind of about the pandemic. Like, I really do agree with that. I feel like the pandemic brought a lot of uncertainty into our lives. And I feel like with uncertainty, that can kind of be just a huge trigger for youth and care because being so, that's a huge trigger for me, especially just like, not being aware of what's going to happen in the future, not being able to control it, because I'm so used to the past of just literally not being in control of 
pretty much anything in my life. So, you know, when I finally kind of had that tangible control and that security in the moment, the pandemic definitely did stress me out in a way. But I do think, you know, coming to terms with my um, sexual identity really was another thing that just helped me kind of find some grounds, a safe place to land and just some self-love and acceptance during a really dark time. And uh, I'm just really thankful for it. And Jose, you've just been such a great pleasure to have today and so insightful and honestly, so inspiring. Like, I just cannot say enough, like, how thankful I am to have you here and just how proud I am to know you. Like, you're really amazing and everything you've overcome. Not a lot of people can say that they've done that. And you're really an inspiration to us all. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. Well, thank you for having me. It's been, well, really just a pure honor to be here. I'm happy that I, I get to kind of, I have the liberty of being who I am unapologetically and that there are people around me who really appreciate me for it, that they kind of seek me out because they know I'm happy to help because they know um, that I kind of will kind of always be there. Because um, even I don't have everything figured out, far from it, but you can always kind of help each other. I, I always feel if there's anything that I can do for this world, it's kind of just speaking up and sharing my story. I don't like that foster kids ever feel the need to hide the fact that they grew up in foster care. I don't think that's ever necessary. I don't think it should ever be necessary. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I like that I, I am very thankful for the opportunity to kind of help push that just a little bit further. Um, it, yeah. it really, it, it warms me up inside a lot. It, it makes me just very happy to think that I, I finally get to do this kind of thing. It just makes me very happy to have you. And I definitely think a lot of people are going to just be positively impacted by what you have to say. And I definitely know that you're going to continue to go on and do this in the future and continue to inspire and advocate because you definitely are a natural born advocacy leader. And uh, I'm really just thankful to have you on again. And I just want to say a huge thank you to our listeners for tuning in to episode eight of The Road to Permanency on Gender Diversity and Sexual Fluidity. And uh, I'm excited to have all our listeners come back next week and make sure you come and tune in because we'll have a great discussion on resiliency in episode nine of The Road to Permanency. Thank you.